Welcome. Here's another edition of Sustainable Business, and this week it comes from the convention of the Professional Speakers Association. Professional speakers? Well, experts who speak. Experts at this convention who came from all over the world. There were people from Australia, from France, from Germany, from Austria, from the Netherlands, from Andorra, from the United States, from South Africa, and of course from Great Britain and Ireland. And what's this got to do with sustainable business? Well, experts who speak speak to a very wide range of businesses, and they come across the concerns of those businesses. One concern, by the way, is that the oil price this week is up around $96 a barrel. $100 by Christmas? We'll see. I spoke first to Will Kintish. He's going green in business and benefiting from it without really realising it. So I'm with Will Kintish, who is the UK's leading authority on network skills training. Can you tell us a bit more about that, Will? Yes, Anthony. The whole world has woken up to the fact that uh, life is getting more and more competitive and the best way to do uh, business development, marketing, selling and promotion is through building relationships. And that's exactly what networking is. People basically have got three fears. Fear of failure, fear of rejection and fear of leaving their comfort zone. And all I do is show people how to work a room and feel comfortable doing it and how to follow up opportunities after they've been working that room. Okay, I have in fact been on one of your courses and of course everybody meets in a room and you explain to them and get them to role play and they all work together. Now I've heard that you're planning to do some training online using the web and I would have thought that's a very different dynamic. Tell me a bit more about how you're going to do that. It is a different dynamic, Anthony, because a lot of my presentation, as you know, is very interactive and I have a lot of fun with the audience with that interaction. So what I'm doing is sitting in front of a screen with a PowerPoint. People are sitting at the other end of their phones and their computers just listening to me and watching the PowerPoint. And it's not as much fun, I must tell you that. But what I am doing is spending a lot less time on the road and needless to say, I'm, uh, I suppose, helping to save the planet a bit because I'm not using up any resource. Right, OK, but is that your original objective or is it? I hadn't thought about it. I've got to tell you I am a bit of a green. I switch the lights off and I, I switch the water off and I don't use the towels in the hotel bedrooms as much as I need to. Um, so I'm a bit of a green, but it wasn't really my first thinking. My first thinking is it's easy to earn money sitting in my pyjamas at home than travelling the world. Well, OK. Of course, people don't actually have to travel to these online sessions. You don't have to travel to the online sessions. You don't even have to light and heat a room. So there must be some savings there. So that sounds like good news. There is lots of savings. In fact, on uh, Monday coming, we've got 15 people paying me quite a lot of money. So I may, I'm actually making more money. You're absolutely right. It's well. definitely going to make me more money. Correct. I've not really thought about it like that. Okay. Well, if people are interested in learning more about networking, you've got a website they should go to, haven't you? Yes, and there's lots of free, useful, and I hope valuable information. www.kintish, that's K-I-N-T-I-S-H dot co dot UK. Well, thank you very much, and apologies for the noises in the background. The problem with talking about 
climate change and resource depletion and all these sorts of things is that it's not generally a message that people want to hear. So I spoke next to Alan Stevens, the incoming president of the Professional Speakers Association, to get his advice on getting difficult messages across. Alan, well first of all congratulations on being elected president of the Professional Speakers Association for this year. Thank you very much Anthony. Uh, your day job is the media coach. Would you like to explain a bit more about that? Yes, thank you. The, the Media Coach, it's a company I set up about seven years ago. Basically, what I train people to do is to deliver their message on TV, on radio, or in print. Because many people who get the opportunity to speak to a reporter only get it once, because they mess it up, they never get asked again. Right, okay. Some messages, of course, are very difficult to get across. Sure. In fact, you do crisis management, don't you? That's absolutely right, crisis media management, yes. Yeah. And, and that's, that's an area which is of more and more importance to companies, of course. Yes, and another area which is important to companies, although some don't realise it, is this whole business of energy and climate change, which you know is critical. my Absolutely point of view. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of people are in denial, a lot of people don't want to know. Mm -hmm. It's not just a question of changing attitudes, it's a change, question of changing behaviours. Of course. Now, how can I do that? How can anybody get that sort of very difficult message across? Well, there's a trick to getting a difficult message across, and I'm going to say the obvious thing, and that is to simplify it. But in, in terms of simplifying it, what you need to do is to personalise it. You need to say to people, how does this affect you personally? And how does this affect perhaps your, your immediate family and your surroundings and so on? Because it's only when people understand the impression which something makes on them and their immediate surroundings that they will take that issue seriously. So what I would tend to do is to use an analogy to say to people, well, it's, it's like this. If, if something changes here, that's clearly going to affect you. If something happened in your neighbourhood, that would clearly affect you. This is a global issue, it's happening in your neighbourhood and therefore you are personally affected. So in order to persuade them to do something at a corporate level, you've got to say to them, this affects each and every one of us. And can I ask you whether this debate about climate change has affected the way you do your business? Well yes it has, because I, I fly a lot, I'm, I'm going, in fact I'm going to all the international speaking conventions in 2008, so I'll be clocking up a lot of air miles. So, and, and interestingly, I, this goes back a long way for me, I'm a founder member of Friends of the Earth. Back in 1972, uh, along with Chet Conroy and Walt Patterson, who were the energy campaigners at the time, we helped to set up the UK branch of Friends of the Earth. So I, I go back 35 years in, this, in, this, in the environmental movement, so I feel very strongly about it. And, and one thing that I feel very strongly about is, is air travel polluting the atmosphere, and us it's important that we offset that and therefore obviously I look at the offset in terms of, of, of tree planting or whatever else when I'm travelling by plane and I think we should all do that because as, as we've heard at several speeches in this convention here where we are today everything we do affects everything else yeah. in fact I remember there, was, there used to be a, to paraphrase something we heard earlier on today everything is part of everything else it was uh, actually an album I bought in the 70s by a band I've long since forgotten and I always remember that title everything is part of everything else Right. Well, thank you for that. And if people want to know more about the Media Coach, where should they go? It's very simple, Anthony. They go to mediacoach.co.uk. Alan, thank you very much. Thank you. Our opening speaker on Saturday morning was Graham Codrington, who came all the way from South Africa to address the conference. Graham is a sought-after international speaker. He's a best-selling author, a futurist and a generational expert. He has a passion for helping people understand why things are changing and what to do about it in their personal and professional lives. His presentation was entitled Hannah's Rules. 
I'll let him explain exactly what that means. Our first presentation this morning from Graham was truly thought-provoking. Graham, you called it Hannah's Rules. Why? Well, it, it, it relates to a story I tell in the uh, presentation. I'm, I'm really a keynote presenter, and so I, I package uh, topics I'm interested in in sort of bite-sized chunks, if you like. And uh, a number of years ago, well, a number of months ago, in fact, last year, my six-year-old daughter, uh, while sitting in the back of a car, uh, we were, we were going behind a, a delivery van and uh, the delivery van downshifted and a big belch of diesel smoke came out the back and my daughter Hannah in the, in the back seat having smelt this acrid smoke uh, sort of feigned her own death of asphyxiation and sort of <laughs> coughing at the wildly in the back seat and got really irate about this pollution. Uh, and as we overtook this, this delivery van really gave the driver of the delivery van what for out the window and uh, you know, told him off. And I, I was reasonably impressed with that as a, as a father. You know, you like to see your kids uh, understand some of the major issues in the world. I've been very concerned for a number of years around sustainability issues and so on. And to see my six-year-old, you know, a nice little d dad moment, if you like. But then she said to me, as she, she pointed to the truck, and it, it had a picture and a logo and a company a logo on it, and she said, Dad, which company is that? because I don't think we should buy their stuff anymore. Really? And, and that, that really, literally, actually, did change my life. There are moments in, in time where just something happens, and I suddenly realized that in my own home, and, and in fact, maybe it, it's, it's helpful for people to know that, that what I've done for probably the last 10 years is been a bit of an expert on generations, on understanding younger and older people and uh, the Generation Y and Generation X and Millennial mm. Generation. So it's been a real passion. I, I did a master's degree in sociology and a doctorate in business administration focused on understanding different generations. But here in the back seat of my car was one of those young people and they had just done something I'd been predicting on from stages for years. Um, totally unannounced and, and, and totally unscripted. Hannah had struck something which I believe was important, that there's a new generation of young people growing up who really do feel it. It's, it's almost genetic in them that they need to fix the planet. Now, that doesn't mean that every young person in the world is going to do everything they can to fix the planet, but I think there's a sense amongst humanity now that, that, that the timer has been switched on, the, 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 the tick-tock, tick-tock of the clock winding down. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that younger people especially are feeling that. And so whatever they do, I'm beginning to see more and more young people invest time in trying to understand and also solve uh, some of the world's big problems. Uh, yeah. And do you find that uh, businesses are aware of that growing pressure? Uh, that's a very interesting question. I, I think they are aware of the fact that this mentality exists. I think that they see it more as sort of the, the green maniacs, the, the tree huggers, the bunny lovers, the hessian wearing yeah. greenpeace activists. And I think in some industries, like the big oil industries and so on, I think they've realized that these are not just play people. You know, you, you need to take them seriously. But I'm not sure that the average high street store, the average big corporate, the, the average bank, for instance, has understood that it's more than that. Um, I really do think that there is a growing sense of ethical concern amongst people. But the one thing I don't think businesses have, have grasped at all, which is really the core of my message, 
is that there is a business opportunity in, in this. So it, it's not just, I'm not asking people to be nice for the sake of being nice. I, I am, what my message is, is that it's clever to think sustainably. It's clever on a number of, less, uh, a number of levels. You can reduce your head office electricity bill, slash it in fact, by changing your light bulbs uh, to LEDs or CFLs, uh, the low energy light bulbs. Yeah. And just by putting a light switch in every office and giving individual staff members the option to work with either natural lighting or only lighting when they need it. A little bit of investment in, in, in your headquarters uh, will be paid off instantly within a few months. The saving in electricity on lights alone um, could be phenomenal. And uh, now when you start talking that to business people and you say you can save money, there's only two ways to increase your profit. Increase your turnover, decrease your costs. So we decrease your costs on the one side. The other side is I think that ethical consumers will begin to reward companies. I'm not sure they're doing it now. You know, my, my Hannah, if when we go on a trip, you know, a six-year-old sitting in the back seat of the car on a long car journey is typically going to ask her every five minutes, are we there yet? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that's maybe what your question is. I think the answer to that is unfortunately no. I, I don't think we're at a point where businesses truly realize how powerful and important this issue of sustainability is. But I think we're getting there, and we're certainly in the car and on the way. Do you think that they'll realize it in time? Well, you know, at one level, it's too late already. Um, we have already started the suicide countdown to our planet, um, <clears throat> which is one reason that some people say, well, you know, who cares now? Don't do anything anyway. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, no matter what we do, we won't see the results for 25 years. But Hannah, my Hannah, my six-year-old Hannah, she will. And uh, maybe, maybe a story, this, this will help illustrate my passion for this. Uh, I'm a South African, it may have been obvious from my accent. Uh, I'm 37 years old, I was born in 1970, right in the middle of, of uh, apartheid. I mm. uh, spent my, my young years growing up in South Africa as a white South African middle class. And the, the government of the day did a very good job to hide apartheid from us. It, it may be inconceivable to people outside South Africa that there were many of us who didn't know what was going on. But it escalated, and towards the end of the 1980s, of course, it, it was impossible to hide. But I was only a just coming of age at that time. The first opportunity I got to vote was in 1994 at the elections that brought Mandela to to president of our country and so I'm just at that age where I'm old enough to have experienced apartheid and because I'm white to have benefited from it but I'm too young to have been involved in doing anything about it and so it, it's a weird age to be South African if you like in yeah. your mid-30s and every now and again I'll sit down with my parents and, and, and engage them and it's a difficult thing to, to talk about but I'll say to them mom dad what did you do because you're old enough to have known, um, you're old enough to have lived through it, and you're old enough to have done something about it. And what did you do? And frankly, I don't think they've got good answers. Now that's not just my parents, that's every one of their generation. Very few of them, certainly in the white population, have good answers to that question. What did you do? You knew 
I'm sure maybe you didn't know everything. Maybe it wasn't as clear to you as it could have been. Maybe all the scientific research wasn't in, in and you didn't have all the facts, but you had enough facts to know that something needed to be done. What did you do? I don't want Hannah, when she's 36, 30 years from now, to sit down and say to me, Dad, this whole issue of climate change, global warming, depletion of the planet's resources, pollution, overpopulation, the lights in our house. Dad, Dad am I right that, that we used to have those normal light bulbs, which in 30 years' time would be illegal, I'm sure, um, as they are about to become in California. You know, Dad, did we drive lead-based petrol cars? Mm -hmm. Seriously, Dad, did you do that? You knew, didn't you? What did you do? Because, Dad, today... I'm paying that bill. I don't ever want that to happen. Mm. Graham, you've given us a lot to think about there. I'm sure there's more on your website. Where do we find it? Hannahsrules.com. Simple as that. Graham, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. So what will we tell the children? It's interesting. If you listened to earlier editions of Sustainable Business, you will have heard my interview with Mike Smith, the Head of Sustainable Development at Yorkshire Forward, and he was saying much the same. If we know now that there's a problem, if we know now that there are things that should be done, what are we going to say to our children in future years when they ask us what we did do? If you want to know more about what your business can do to be sustainable, get in touch. My website is anthony-day.com. In the meantime, have a good week, and I'll talk to you in seven days. Who knows where the oil price will be by then.